Brody, 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 Sports Talk. Brody, 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 Sports Talk. Brody, 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 Sports Talk. Brody, Sports Talk. What's up, Brody? Hello everyone, my name is Caleb Walgren and you are listening to Season 4, Episode 33 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walgren, the founder and CEO of Brody Sports Talk, and I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Captain Orange. He enjoyed uh, the greatest three quarters of Russell Wilson's Broncos career this past Sunday, and that is none other than Derek and Russell. Derek, how are you doing today? I, I'm doing okay. So uh, if, if our listeners hear a little bit of my voice going away, I uh, yelled at my TV a whole bunch over this last weekend uh, about the yelled a bunch when Jerry Judy has three touchdowns and uh, Russell Wilson actually looks like a decent quarterback and then cried, cried, cried that they couldn't pull it off in the end. So if my voice goes in and out, just forgive me. I'll come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to dive right in. As we release this, it is December the 14th. And so let's go back on this day in sports history, Derek. And I was just kind of reminded with all of the college football pageantry as we're kind of switching from Army-Navy this past weekend, uh, which was really good and really close. Uh, that's also on the day of the Heisman Trophy ceremony. So on this day, prior winners include Ricky Williams uh, in 1998. I do not recommend giving up your entire draft for a running back, just for the record. Uh, the other ones are Mark Ingram Jr. in 2009. And the most recent is Joe Burrow. It's a guy you might have heard of. In 2019, the current quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, probably one of the best speeches, especially because it uh, caused a lot of philanthropy uh, that who knew that we were going to go from Joe Burrow talking about that to uh, what was going to happen in just mere months from then. But we will not go into that now. Uh, Derek, do you have a favorite of any of these three Heisman winners or anything you want to add about any or all of them? Uh, obviously great legends yeah no you're you're exactly correct so um as an oklahoma state fan can't root for ricky williams great player great running back you know what the saints do to try to give up their entire draft to get ricky williams that's another story mark ingram my wife is an alabama fan so um you know i'll toss that in there just a little bit but my favorite of course is joe burrow um, his story of the modern day um, football player with, hey, I'm not going to play at Ohio State, and so I'm going to go uh, and go to LSU and just demolishes the field um, at LSU that year. Championship game, everything looked great. Um, so of the list currently, I, I think uh, Joe, Joe Burrow – just everyone out there in listening land, will you please just call him Joe Burrow? Let's let's get these nicknames out the door. They they're stupid. They're bad. Um, just his name is Joe Burrow. Let's come up with something other than Joe Shiesty or something like that. I think it's just cringe. 
It is absolutely cringe. It is painful whenever I hear anyone bring that up. Uh, also, just for the record, Mark Ingram, uh, get well soon, man. Uh, we know that you, you jacked up your knee the other day. We want to see you strong and healthy again next year. The fact that you're still a running back in the NFL, you're about to turn 33 here in a couple weeks. It's pretty phenomenal. Crazy to think that Mark Ingram's turning 33. I mean, that's no, what that's happens. A, yeah. <laughs> We've gotten old, Caleb. That, well, that's fair. Well, let's, speaking of, uh, well, no, that's a horrible transition. Uh, let's yeah, just let's go, go ahead. <laughs> well, let ahead. me just go ahead and take this one over. So, okay. um, on the, the 13th of December, um, after a, a couple of days of uh, depressing news, um, we lost a great coach in the college football ranks and by the name of Mike Leach. So, um, I know Mike, uh, from 1999, he, uh, came and spent a year on the OU coaching staff and introduced the air raid offense to to Oklahoma. Um, and then he moved on to other coaching gigs. Uh, I knew him from a long time at the, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, where he ushered in some really great quarterbacks uh, across and, and had some, I believe, some NCAA records for quarterbacks and receivers. Uh, he's gone to Washington State, and his most recent uh, trip was, m- most recent stop was at um, Mississippi State. And um, so on Sunday, he had a, a massive heart attack, or what, the, what they're telling us is a massive heart attack after battling pneumonia for a few months off and on. Uh, so, and he, and he passed away on the 13th. Uh, and so my thoughts and prayers are with his family. Um, I wish there was something, you know, you never want to, to have someone go through that, um, you know, with losing a spouse, losing a father. Um, and so the college football is a little less, is a little more dim today because of the loss of a really fun and, a, you, you, I've heard so many stories uh, over the last couple of days about Mike Leach. Of uh, you know, you if you get him on the phone, you better set aside an hour because he is just going to talk about anything and everything. And he is one of the best interviews um, that's that's ever been out there. Just always has a fun quip. Um, can talk to you about life. Can talk to you about football. Can tell you anything you ever want to know about football. So. For me, this is this is a big loss um, in just the the football ver- universe out there. So, uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking. So, one of his first years out there at Texas Tech, he happened to have a young quarterback by the name of Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, <clears throat> Cliff, of course, then coached uh, Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes and ended up getting fired and taking the head coaching job for the Arizona Cardinals. I love a lot of the things, backwards. The, yeah, the, a lot of the things that Mike has done have been huge. He made Washington state a relative relevant program in college football. Uh, even this past year, 
I really respect what he did at Mississippi State. He won the Egg Bowl in what will be his final game as a head coach. The co- the players are saying they're going to come out and play for him in the bowl game. Uh, one of those players is none other than podcast favorite of ours, George Georgopoulos. Yeah. So, uh, Georgopoulos family, if you happen to be listening, know that I clearly you know him better than we do, but a lot of respect that we have for Mike Leach, his family, and everything that they're going through, and the, kind of that extended family, the, you know, the football family, the Mississippi State family, the Bulldogs, as they're going through their grief and their loss. It all feels a little bit different to everyone when you're dealing with grief, but uh, a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt in the sports world. Uh, it's not the only passing recently, but this is definitely the one that is football related, so we we definitely need to bring it up. So, Our hearts are with you, man. Mississippi State. Well, uh, not that I ever can transition effectively away from that, but we're going to go ahead and talk about some things that we got right and got wrong before the season started as far as the NFL is concerned. When we did our over-under win projections for teams before the season, uh, speaking of Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Derek and I both went over on the eight and a half wins for the Arizona Cardinals. They have now fallen to four and nine, so they cannot get over that total. So we were wrong, and that hurts. Uh, another one where Derek and I kind of had a little bit of a split decision, and I think Derek was taken aback. He might have changed his mind after I said it, but we we were we were a different opinion on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who after a throttling uh, in the Bay Area this past weekend, they are unable to get to 10 and a half wins. I believe their record is six and seven, so they can only get to 10 and seven. Uh, if somehow uh, the fairy godmother comes and gives Tom Brady an offensive line. Uh, but that's probably the only way they can get to 10 wins, in my opinion. Uh, I had the under on 10 and a half, so I'm doing a slight victory lap today. Uh, Derek had the over, but I also know that Derek has some thoughts about the 49ers in general. Anything you want to say about these projections before we uh, set up your overreaction uh, bit here? Yeah, so I foresaw three out of four teams uh, in the NFC South. I assumed the Panthers were going to be bad. I assumed the Saints were going to be bad. I assumed the Falcons are going to be bad. And I'm right. They're not... They're they have not blown any doors off. Um, they're the the. This is going to be the whoever wins the South is going to be the fourth uh, seed only because they're going to be a division winner and they're only going to get in the playoffs because they're a division winner. I just did not expect Tampa Bay to also be bad in that NFC South. So. I, I thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were just going to run through their schedule, run through the South. Did I see because they had so many injuries and retirements in on the offensive line? You know, I probably should have seen that coming, but um, I didn't. And that's okay. We will definitely get into some flavors of the NFC South uh, a little bit during our power rankings today. So okay. if you... If you like us trashing the NFC South, uh, but wait, there's more coming up in a little bit. Uh, Derek, it is your favorite segment, though. We like to 
get hyped, get angry, get our overreactions out there into the air. And then, you know, we mellow out a little bit and go under the radar. But right now is not the time to mellow out. Right now is the time to go big because we're not going home. What are you overreacting to after week 14 in the NFL? Okay, so as I declared last podcast, I am a bandwagon 49er fan. The Broncos aren't going to do anything, so I am sticking my my flag into the cart. And for the rest of the year, I'm going to be a 49er fan along with with everybody else. Um, I think that they are a great team, and I think that they are a fun team to watch. My overreaction, Kyle Shanahan is the most unlucky coach in NFL history, and he still makes, even though he is the most unlucky coach, he still makes Manicotti out of manure. What I mean by that, as a head coach, since 2017, uh, for the 49ers, uh, I'm going to go off of the the 2018 team, but I'm not going to to throw the other stuff in there. So uh, in 2018, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL. They went four and 12 because he didn't have a, a backup quarterback. 2019, they had a good draft pick. So they got Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Drake Greenlaw. All of those are contributors and really great players uh, on this team. They went 13-3 and three that year and lost in the Super Bowl. Okay, well, uh, then you move on to 2020. They went 6-10 and 10 on uh, in 2020. Once again, Jimmy G goes on IR. Nick Bosa goes on IR. A total of 18 players that year went on the injured reserve. They drafted Brandon Ayuk and Javon Kinlaw and traded for Emmanuel Sanders. So we go bad year, really good year, bad year. What's 2021? A pretty good year. In in 2021, they went 10 and 7, lost in the NFC Championship game to the Rams, um, who I don't know. They uh, they kind of did went and did something good that year that the Rams did. They drafted, they traded up, got Trey Lance. That year, they also lost their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, to the New York Jets in their head coaching position. Now, this year, 2022, Trey gets hurt. Oh, well, dang. He was going to be our starter. <coughs> then they uh, were like, okay, well, we had all of this bad offseason with Jimmy G. He's, he's not with the team. He's, he's over here in the practice squad. You know, we're going to trade him. We're gonna, he's going to sign somewhere else. Blah, blah, blah. He redoes his contract. He comes back. Trey Lance gets hurt. Jimmy G steps in. Has a good, uh, a good season. What happens? Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. And now you have the stir- third-string quarterback, Brock Purdy. Oh, no. Third-string quarterback. So, uh, but he still is at nine and four. They won the first uh, start for Brock Purdy. He put up two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. That's crazy. Like a third string quarterback, a guy that was drafted this year out of uh, Iowa State, comes in and just learns this offense in 13 weeks. And does the stuff. This last offseason, 
they lost their offensive co- offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel to Miami. This next offseason, they'll probably lose D'Amico Ryan to a head coach. <coughs> so he just has bad bad years every other year, and yet he makes the best out of it. There are other throw stringers around this league that I would not trust them to bag my grocery, let alone take the keys of my franchise. Skyler Thompson out of Miami. Nope. Kellen Mond out of Minnesota. Nope. Shane Bouchel, uh, Kansas, Kansas City. Uh, Easton Stick, never heard of him. Will Greer out of Dallas. I only know him because he played at West Virginia. Ian Book, my favorite person. Uh, out of Philadelphia. Sam Howe in Washington. Not going to play this year. Tim Boyle in Chicago. Logan Woodside in Atlanta. Kyle Trask in Tampa Bay. Uh, Bryce Perkins. We know him. He was on the Rams. They also have uh, quarterback issues. He has taken a third-string quarterback and made him a really great quarterback. Prepared him to go out there and win a game. And I'm just going to say, he should win uh, Coach of the Year every year that they, they do halfway decently because he makes Manicotti out of manure. What can I say? Uh, when Kyle Shanahan does that, things look pretty good out there. Yes, I did that. You were the time. worst. You really <laughs> are. Hey, I was waiting a long time to say that. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and overreact as well because I don't have any qualms with what you're saying. I know you're on the 49ers bandwagon. Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, horrible injury luck. Horrible injuries for many, many times over the last several years. I'm going to the other coast. I'm going to the East Coast where I want to talk about New Jersey football. And yes, I'm being clear that I'm talking about New Jersey football, not New York football. This does not include the Bills. Uh, There's just too much pressure for those young teams in order for them to find quick success. Uh, I don't know if it's the big apple. I don't know what it is. The media presence, everyone talks about how it's different, but let's go back a little bit. If you remember, there was a team called the New York football giants and they started out a beautiful Derek, beautiful, beautiful one. It was, it was awesome. Like people, were like Giants going to the Super Bowl, like they were they were hyped. Since then, the Giants have gone one, four, and one in their last six games. The win being a measly win at home over the Houston Texans. Now, small wins over the Texans aren't anything to be ashamed about. They can just ask the Dallas Cowboys about that. Yes, I had to get a Cowboys burn in too uh-huh. if I can. So. But losses to the Seahawks, that doesn't look like that's getting better with time. Uh, To the Lions, by 13. To the Cowboys on Thanksgiving when they had a big lead. Tying the Commanders at home. And then getting obliterated this past weekend by Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, 48-22. So that's, that's that's Exhibit A. That's the Giants. They're just falling apart. Six and one to seven, five and one. Uh, I would also like to introduce the team they share a stadium with, 
in Exhibit B, a team that went into their bye week feeling pretty good about themselves. They were 6-3 and three and had just knocked off Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Yes, we're talking about the Jets, the darlings of the NFL not that long ago. They were 6-3, and three, and everyone was talking about how everything in the AFC was going to be crazy. Who could get what wild card? They were talking about the Bills potentially falling to like the 6th or 7th spot in the AFC playoff race because, you know, they, they lost to the Jets, and clearly that's not a good thing to do. Since then, the Jets have come out, and it's just been bad. Uh, they lost to the Patriots in a game where they lost on a punt return touchdown basically as time expired. They lost, or they beat the Bears, but that's not saying a ton because Justin Fields was out. And then they've lost to the Vikings and the Bills in back-to-back weeks. From 6-3 and three to 7-6, and six, currently out of the postseason, and I don't think things are looking up anytime for them soon. Their upcoming schedule, they're hosting some Cats for two weeks, and the Lions coming to town this Sunday, and then the Jaguars. Both of those games look a lot more competitive than they did a few weeks ago. And then they are host, going to travel to Seattle and Miami to close the season. All of those games are going to have playoff implications. The Jets don't have any easy games left on their calendar. Probably the best thing for them is they don't have to play the Patriots again since the Patriots have their number. Also, insert all of the stuff about Zach Wilson to Mike White to Joe Flacco or whatever is happening in that quarterback room because I really want to believe that Robert Sala and the Jets coaching staff has this figured out, but this just feels like Jets have a defensive head coach, doesn't know how to manage quarterbacks, <laughs> insert trope lines from like many, many years of Jets football. It doesn't matter what year we are talking about. The Jets have done this over and over again. I don't know, Derek. I don't know if they just trying to do too much too fast too soon and putting Wilson out there, even though he was banged up earlier this year. It's just not pretty. Uh, you at least had Wilson out there were winning games and look like you were a po- playoff team, and then they bench him and they still can't win. Like, what are, what are your, your thoughts or reactions? Am I overreacting too much to the Jets and Giants crumbling in the New York market? So you're not overreacting to an overreacting point. And we'll get to uh, this point here in just a moment in my under the radar, but you're right. They do not have a chance to bloom. They don't have a chance to, to get out from underneath the media market that they're in to, to succeed because every mistake that happens, every little thing that happens for the giants or the jets gets blown into a big, Big issue. Oh, Zach Wilson isn't the isn't the guy we thought he was. Yeah, I mean, you've run Sam Darnold out there. You've Jack. You have Zach Wilson. You have Mike White. You have Joe Flacco. You have like keep name. We we've we've seen the Cleveland Browns uh, jersey that keeps marking off those names. The Jets probably haven't had too many more fewer quarterbacks than the Browns have over that same time period. There've been a lot of guys out there. 
So, you know, maybe it's the offensive staff. They've got some uh, some young players that are there. I like Zach Wilson. I thought I don't know if I would have drafted him in that spot when he got drafted. But at the same time, I think he can run the offense. And you're going to be built on defense anyways. When it comes to the Giants, the exact opposite. You have Saquon Barkley there. You're going to be known for your offense. And you just need your defense to just get by. Because you have an offensive head coach. But it's his first year. No one really foresaw this kind of success. And and he has a great rah-rah attitude. But there's doldrums to the NFL season. There is, you have to get through that week eight, week nine, week 10, when the newness wears off and you're having to find, pick and choose your spots in the, in the schedule to, okay, guys are hurt. What are we, you know, what are we doing with them? We need to, you know, and he's making all of these big decisions on his own now when he, when he could rely on someone else when he was in Buffalo. So I think that you're expecting too much too soon out of um, the Giants. And I think the Jets just need a little bit more time to bloom. Um, come and look at that. I really like Robert Sala. I like what this team is doing. I like Sauce Gardner. So I think we just need a little bit of patience. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I, th- I think Newton, that area is just a little bit too much of a pressure cooker. They see a little exactly. bit of glimpse of success. They want all the success. You know, yeah. there's a reason why. I know this is a different sport, but there's a reason why Lynn Sanity happened with the New York Knicks. No one else could have blown that up nearly as fast as a New York team where they were like, this guy came off the bench, seems like he's, you know, been average for years, and he just totally took the NBA by storm. It's a New York thing. Like, the Giants start off hot, the Jets start off hot, everyone starts getting into the hype, and... It's too much pressure on the players too soon. Agreed. Uh, well, Derek, let's let's go ahead. Let's go uh, take some deep breaths. <sighs> yes, uh, let's go ahead. Deep breaths probably don't sound great on the podcast. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but uh, go ahead, take some deep breaths yourself. Uh, maybe slow down the tempo if you like listening to us on a faster speed. Uh, but let's go under the radar, and it's time to just kind of chill out. Uh, what is your under-the-radar NFL point this week? So everybody knows that I am a, a facts-based, beaker, Bunsen burner kind of guy. Um, I like science, and I like experiments. And for me, the Jacksonville Jaguar experiment is working. We are getting returns on investment in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, they have been the laughing stock of the NFL for a while now. Um, 2020, they were 115. 2021, they have head coach Urban Meyer. Uh, they went 3-14. and 14. That year, they drafted Trevor Lawrence, and they tossed him out there. Didn't look great. 12 touchdowns with 17 interceptions. And this kid has been hyped since he was in high school. And he was 
I mean, he there were there were TV shows with him in it, um, and like ESPN specials, stuff like that. He was going to be the next Michael Jordan of football. And after twenty, after his first season, mm, I don't know. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. He's he's just going to be just another decent quarterback. Um, just another quarterback that makes it through Jacksonville and moves on after four or five years. Come 2022, previous head coach is gone. They bring in Doug Peterson, who has won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. We'll talk about the Eagles later. Um, But they drafted Trayvon Walker, number one overall, because, you know, they had the number one overall pick. Got Devin Lloyd as well. And they're currently 5-8 and eight on the season. Trevor Lawrence is at 66% perce- uh, completion percentage and is at a 20-6 to six touchdown to interception ratio right now. Let me say that again. 2021, they were, he was at 59.6 for the year and a 12 touchdown to 70 interceptions. This year, it's 20 touchdowns with six interceptions. Quite a big flip. Now, they spent big in the offseason, got some, uh, made some, some big moves, got some, some names out there, but they are rebuilding this team little by little. And unlike New Jersey, the NFC South has no expectations. The... The Colts or the Titans are going to win the division every year. And if you just put up a decent season um, for the, you know, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they'll like you. Right now they have five wins. Now, five wins isn't isn't great in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, but they had three wins the previous year and one win the year before that. They are moving in the right direction. They are a team that if it's on your schedule, you're certainly not overlooking them. And Trevor Lawrence is really showing up um, as the quarterback they thought he was. We have seen recently the a little bit of a surge of drafting offensive players with their college uh, quarterback. So Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase did great at LSU. Both of them are on the Bengals. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has Travis Etienne, his running back from Clemson, beside him. And I think that that's probably given him some, you know, having, you know, that friend and that, that safety blanket that you've had while you were at college for three years. It's, uh, it's good to have, you know, some familiarity. Can't say that word. Um, and so I think... We are looking at, I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next year or two, but I think that we, we could see the Jaguars being in that middle tier in the next year or two where they stay in that, uh, that middle tier. And, you know, some years they jump up there and they get in into the playoffs. Maybe they win the division once in a while. You know, how other divisions have it where you kind of rotate who wins the, uh, win the division. The Titans don't look like they're going to uh, stick around much longer. They're going to have to have some big changes. 
the Colts and the Texans aren't doing anything currently. So it gives you ripe for the next two or three years. I think the Jaguars are definitely going to be first or second in the division for a while. It's definitely intriguing, Derek. I think that in general, the Jaguars are a team to keep an eye on. I I was starting to believe in them, but I don't know that I was expecting the 36 to 22 trashing of the Texans they did on the road in Nashville this past week. Now, I'll look at the Jag schedule and I'll say it is fairly daunting, but I also know the Titans schedule is not terribly easy either. They would have a head-to-head, and they do have another matchup in Duval to close out the season because the Titans go at Chargers and then host the Texans and Cowboys before they finish at the Jaguars. And the Jaguars host the Cowboys, then go to the Jets, Texans, and then host the Titans. If there's a way that the Jags can figure out a way to win a little bit more of those games... Make sure you, of course, beat the Titans in that final game. I don't know that I feel good about the Titans except for probably hosting the Texans, and I don't feel as good about that game as I did a couple weeks ago. But they lost to the Bengals. They got smoked by the Eagles. They fired their GM, and now they've lost to the Jags. Uh, The Titans seem like they are quite a bit of a mess, and the Jaguars, they might be looking for first by the end of the season and if it's not they're definitely on the path up whereas the titans are on the path down excellent point derek i love it what kind of uh, under the radar are you going with so i was just looking around the league you know me derek where i try to find something that i don't think anyone's really talking about that much and what i'm realizing and i feel like this is probably the case is that with the cost of young quarterbacks with the rookie wage scale that we might be very close to losing the end of what I'm going to call the era of the journeyman quarterbacks. So it's always been a little bit interesting whenever you look at the quarterback market. A lot of the elite players stay in one spot. We're seeing a little bit more movement over the last few years, but typically when that has been happening, It's been because of trades, Uh, you know, Carson Wentz going to Indy and then to Washington, Matt Ryan going from Atlanta to Indy. Um, Apparently Indy just likes trading for old quarterbacks. Um, But like a lot of other quarterbacks have been either, they're either really young, you know, they're still on that rookie contract or they're someone who's kind of stuck with the franchise. It's curious, like currently the the main two people that I would look at and say, these are the journeymen that are in the NFL right now are Geno Smith, who's starting in Seattle. And I don't know if that's really a long-term solution for Seattle, or if that's a, we're okay with this for now. Uh, we know we have picks coming for Russ to come. Uh, the other one that stands out to me is Andy Dalton in New Orleans. Uh, Andy Dalton's been in the league a long time. I was double-checking. He's 35 years old. So he's up there with some of the other uh, older quarterbacks that are not the same generation as Tom Brady. Um, But 
for the most part, you don't have a lot of starters in the league where they're like, I think of players like Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he kind of went around and was able to start at multiple spots. Um, his name is escaping me right now. Um, McCown, um, Josh, or Luke. I think it's Josh. Luke or Josh. I think it was Josh. Um, even when I think of someone like Brian Hoyer, um, you know, he got beat out by Bailey Zappi earlier this year. And there, there's just less. Like, I think it might be a fine thing to be a journeyman backup or kind of a, hey, you're Trubisky and you didn't last here with the Bears, but just with the cost of quarterbacks and with them being on that maybe four or five-year window on that rookie wage scale, uh, depending on whether or not they're a first-round pick, I feel like you've got to get them out on the field sooner. And so there's less of this, oh, yeah, we'll just put – random Joe Schmo in from the from free agency and start them ahead of them. Uh I mean I don't know if you can really count Mariota as a journeyman that is now getting phased out and for Dennis uh for Desmond Ritter. It just it seems like that timing it's never been the biggest thing. Like let me just be clear about that. But it does feel like it's starting to go away. Uh what do you think, Derek? Am I uh, trying to push this narrative a little too much, or you think that there's something to this? Okay, so there's two thoughts on this. First is, you know, can you have draft analysis that is good enough to get you those rookies on, you know, those four or five years of a rookie quarterback where you where you hit the, on those guys? And then two, how important do you feel draft picks are worth? I know some teams that wear blue and sometimes yellow um, doesn't care about them picks. Um, they say F those picks because they're building through free agency or trades or stuff like that. There's other teams that have to have draft picks. They, um, they build to the draft and you can see Year after year, they draft really well, and then they make those tiny trades uh, to make their team better, a.k.a. the Eagles this year. Um, they, yeah, they, they have A.J. Brown, and he's been a great, um, a great pickup this year, but the MVP of the league is a second-round pick. Um, they sign low... Uh, low-cost guys to come in and shore up some of the, uh, the the areas that they need. So are you going to spend your first-round pick every three or four years on a quarterback and hopefully you hit on him? I don't know if that's a strategy that's going to work just to save money. I think that you're really going to have to um, you look at where, yeah, because there there are offensive linemen, there's defensive linemen, there's guys like Sauce Gardner that you cannot pass up to make your team better in the draft, knowing that you're going to have to take a quarterback in those first three picks. You know, that's that's pretty tough when it comes to 
making sure and, and hitting on those quarterbacks. So I, I wouldn't do it, but same time, I'm not an NFL GM. I'm just saying it feels like a lot more of those 32 NFL GMs are saying, let's draft this kid and let's play him instead of, uh, why why not go out and get someone with experience and see what, what wins we can put on the table this year? I don't think it's a strategy that works long term. Fair. We'll see. Um, so let's go ahead, Derek. It is time for our week 14 power rankings. Uh, the buys are over. And I do want to make sure as a PSA to announce that we have Thursday night football. NFL Network is doing a triple header on Saturday for whatever reason. There's bowl games on. NFL Network has three games that day. And then there's NFL Sunday and Monday Night Football. So there's a ton of football this weekend. Make sure that you know what's going on so that you don't miss any games you're expecting. But of course, for our power rankings, we do split those up into four tiers. We have the worst of the worst in the basement tier. We have the wavering teams after that, the teams that we just don't really trust enough to put our faith in. After that, we have teams that want to be great. Uh, they they want to be great. Uh, they're trying to figure everything out. They don't necessarily have a good blueprint for greatness, uh, but they're aspiring. Uh, they're aspiring to greatness. And then the last tier we have is our playoff tier. This is, of course, the best of the best, the teams that we would trust for sure to make the playoffs at this point in time. And especially with four weeks left, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room for error there. So starting in the basement tier, at number 32, we have the the quarterback rotation of Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. At number 31, we have Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos. At number 30, fresh from the bye, it is Justin Fields. I almost call him Josh Fields. That's not the right name. I keep doing that. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Number 29, uh, Kyler, get well soon. We didn't talk about this in the other segments, but get well soon, buddy. Uh, Tearing your ACL on Monday night did not look good. Uh, And the Arizona Cardinals. And number 28, it is uh, at least Jeff Saturday was good for one game uh, in the Indianapolis Colts. At number 27, it is, uh, wait, we're we're in last in this division. Uh, Andy Dalton and the New Orleans Saints. At uh, number 26, it is uh, Who Needs a Playbook? Baker Mayfield and the Los Angeles Rams. And at number 25, it is in second, or th- tied for second, I think they're technically in third in the NFC South tiebreakers, is the Atlanta Falcons. So that's who I want to talk about. We did tease a little bit of NFC South. Uh, we'll be talking about it here in the basement because Atlanta's an interesting team. So There's a lot going on because of this crazy mess of a division. So with the struggles there, they're only one game back of the Bucs in what is a very tight division. Uh, Yet, if you look over, uh, I double-checked at tankathon.com, and they would currently be the 10th overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. That's a nice area. You can get some good players in the top 10. Uh, Just ask Garrett Wilson. I mean, he, he did pretty well for himself there. And uh, it's close to where the Falcons drafted last year. They were eighth. So with all of that positioning, uh, they decided during the bye, 
we're going to go ahead and give the starting quarterback job to Desmond Ritter. I've been talking about him for uh, what I feel like is weeks uh, and going away from Marcus Mariota, possibly opening up the passing game or just giving them a different running option. So Ritter's four starts, assuming he's healthy for all of these, they're going to travel to New Orleans and Baltimore to face the Saints and the Ravens. And then they host the Cardinals and the Bucks at that beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So uh, what, Derek, do you kind of expect to see from Ritter in those four games for the Falcons to make sure they stick with him instead of looking for potentially a different investment or a new quarterback moving forward? Yeah, so uh, just as a, a little side note, there was a Josh Field that played in uh, Chicago, didn't play for the Bears. Um, he played for the White Sox, the baseball team. Um, but doesn't uh, doesn't stop. He also played quarterback for Oklahoma State and uh, played baseball and was pretty good. Played third base. That all being said, uh, Atlanta Falcons. <coughs> we have, we have not seen anything of Desmond Ritter um, this year, so he hasn't had a chance to to get into that offense, take first team snaps. So if he goes out here and doesn't have a good couple of games, I'm not sure that you can go to someone else. Now, Todd McShay came out this week as first way, way too soon NFL draft and has the Falcons at 10 taking a quarterback. Um, I'm not sure that that's a smart play. I mean, I think they have a lot of holes to, to fill. And I don't think quarterback play is what's going to hold them back with Desmond Ritter. I like him. I like what I saw in the preseason. I like how he uh, performs. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what he does in the Arthur Smith offense, running the actual team, taking the first team snaps, preparing as a starting quarterback. And then at the end of the season, I don't think they're going to move on. I think they're, I think they're going to draft someone else in, in that spot. Um, even if he doesn't uh, now, if he completely struggles and uh, you know throws seventy interceptions, we might be looking at something completely different. But I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to have a middling five or six games where he's going to go, you know, five touchdowns, seven interceptions, something like that, and uh, they won't move off of him probably. Do you think he is going to to run any as well, Derek? Just want to put that out there. Um, you know, the mobile quarterback is so valuable. Ritter does have some of that in his capacity. I just want to know what you think there. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to to kind of toss that too much. Um, I mean, I guess you do have Marcus Mariota there. You can put back into the starting lineup if he gets hurt. But at the same time, um, you're going to win these games with your arm or you're going to you're going to win in Arthur Smith's system with your arm not with the run per se. So I think he's going to get a green light if there's nothing open and, you know, he can scramble for five or six yards, seven yards, but I don't think we're going to see too many quarterback runs with, with the young guy. Um, and if, and if he does, it's going to be, you know, a three yard scamper or a uh, QB sneak, something like that where it's short yardage. That's fair. I just know that, there's been a decent amount of RPOs in that Falcons offense this year. So I feel like there's at least options. And I of think course, yeah. we will see some of that from Ritter. It's just 
agreed he shouldn't be going out there 10 quarterback runs a game, like nothing like excessive. That's a good point. So uh so I I have a cheat, Derek, because there's someone who I had in mind when I was typing out this question. Okay. Because I am a sneaky, sneaky person. You are. And I was thinking about a horrible division in which there was a quarterback that came in. I think it was originally due to injury, but then just ended up having four starts. Uh, it was two years ago. We're talking about the 2020 NFC East. The quarterback that got hurt and left was a player named Carson Wentz. And huh. he was replaced by a fella named Jalen Hurts. Okay. What I find to be interesting is Jalen Hurts had four starts. Desmond Ritter has four games. During that time, uh, Hurts' completion percentage, not good, about 52%. I would love to see Ritter at maybe a little bit higher just because I think Smith has a good offense. you still got Drake London out there. Uh, outside of Drake London, you have some other receivers like Olamide Zacchaeus, but it's not necessarily the who's who of football over there at pass catching with Kyle Pitts on IR. Um, but Hertz went one and three, uh, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Not really a great debut for him. Uh, he also ended up having three rushing touchdowns, got that mobility going back in that offense because after uh, Carson's injury, they just didn't look the same because of him being more of a statue back there. I don't know that I'm expecting a ton. Kind of like you said, even if it's five touchdowns, seven interceptions, or you want to flip those, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, missing some open passes, overthrowing guys a little bit. It's not going to be pretty. I don't feel like this is the Falcons going for the division win. If you needed to do that, you needed to get Ritter out there before now to take your lumps and then see where you land. I know they're one game back. I just don't see it as a viable option for them to win the NFC South. So I'm going to say they take whatever their top 10 pick is or potentially slide up a few spots and hopefully get a solid lineman or some help on that defensive side of the ball for next year. Uh, any thoughts or reactions to that, Derek, before we switch up our tiers? Run the dang ball. That's what you do well. That's what you know what to do. Run the dang ball. You are correct. Uh, nothing ever wrong with having that sentiment. So let's go ahead. Let's switch it up. We're going to go to the wavering tier. Uh, the wavering tier has had a lot of fluid motion this year and definitely probably a little bit of fluidity the last few weeks. At number 24, we have uh, welcome back to Sean Watson and the Cleveland Browns. At number 23, we have uh, I see you're going back towards the basement, Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. I know that's Derek's spot to see the Raiders mm -hmm. is in the basement. Yeah. Number 22, it is uh, things look a lot better when Pickett is healthy, the Pittsburgh Steelers. At number 21, we love Christian Watson. It is the Green Bay Packers. At number 20, it is uh, who needs Christian McCaffrey. It's the Carolina Panthers. At number 19, it is Duval getting that upset win in Nashville. It's those Jacksonville Jaguars. 
At number 18, uh, losing by 28 on the road is not recommended. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And at number 17, it's it's the team that Jacksonville just beat. It's those Tennessee Titans. So you can tell all of the AFC South and NFC South teams are wavering or basement tiers. One, two of them have to make the playoffs. Uh, we're not obligated to put them in our playoff tier because they are bad. So yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead. Uh, let's go back to some more of that chaos in the NFC South, Derek. Let's talk about those Panthers. So I found it to be really interesting because maybe the Panthers were right in that initial trade for Sam Darnold. Uh, they put him out there. They've won back-to-back games. Um, even with Ben McAdoo calling the offense, you know, granted those games were against the Broncos and the Seahawks, but the Seahawks had been doing okay. Probably an embarrassing loss for Seattle to be frank. Um, but they also also almost has an embarrassing loss before that against the Rams. So they're one game back again in this NFC South, but because they've won two in a row, you know, they've gone from three and eight to five and eight. They also have a beautiful three and one record against their own division. So some possible tiebreakers could go their way and they do play the Bucks again uh, on January the 1st. So happy new year to them. Go beat the Bucks and see if you can make your postseason dreams a reality. But uh, my real question for you, Derek, this Panthers team, who do you kind of give the credit to right now? Uh, there's so many different things happening. Uh, just winning those back-to-back games, turning the corner, sniffing the postseason. Where are you kind of at as far as who who deserves the credit? Who is carrying the team? Uh, J.C. Horn. That's uh, he 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 is the uh, the lifeblood of this team for me. Uh, I believe he had. Uh, a very nice uh, interception the other day, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I joke, not just one individual. I think it's a team effort. I think it's a, uh, I think everyone is playing with house money. They're not, uh, they're not doing anything that they, they're not over their skis or anything like that. They got rid of a couple of the. Of the players on the team that maybe not uh, maybe maybe didn't lead to a team effort, you know. Baker came in. He you know he can certainly learn offense quickly, but he wasn't the answer. So they moved on. Robbie Anderson wanted to go elsewhere, so they sent him elsewhere. You know, sometimes it's about chemistry, and I think the chemistry of the team is what we're looking at right now. And everyone's saying. You know what? We're uh, we're either going to to go down. We can't get any worse than we already are. We've already fired our coach, so let's go out and play some football. And that's what it was. That's interesting. I mean, I love J.C. Horn. I'm fine with that pick. I was definitely thinking about the defense. I thought about bringing up Brian Burns, but I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit of love out there to uh, Steve Wilkes. Yeah, of course. Uh, interim head coach it did not feel like he had that bump initially um he's four and four uh if you think about how crazy some of these things could have been like if dj moore does not take off his helmet 
this yeah. team could be in first place in the, the NFC South. And then he would be five and three as a head coach. Um, arguably, like their one atrocious game was when they played the Cincinnati Bengals when the Bengals were still healthy. But they came back, bounced back, win against the Falcons, lost to Baltimore when Lamar was still hurt. But Baltimore's defense is really good. Came back, beat Denver, beat Seattle. They've got Pittsburgh coming to town. Then they've got Detroit, and like I said, it's probably a winner could advance game. And then they finish with two division games, the Bucks and the Saints. Granted, those are both road, but if they beat Pittsburgh, they could already be tied for with Tampa. And then if you beat Tampa and have a two-time head-to-head, they may not even they could in theory rest their starters in that game against the Saints, which is something that sounds completely absurd to me to say out loud. When we're talking about a team that is five and eight and is fighting for a postseason berth, but I just think that in general, Wilkes is giving them confidence. He's helping them change it around. The defense is thriving. The offense is making less mistakes, and the offense really does have to be more about team. Like if I go look at who has gotten the most targets on the team, Christian McCaffrey is still in second. In receptions, <laughs> like he has been in San Francisco for at least six weeks or something like that. So something's got to give. But when you got players like Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear scoring touchdowns, it's a team effort because no one probably knew who Raheem Blackshear was until this past week. It's not all Deonta Foreman either because they know that. He's probably not the future of the team, but I just, I love it. I love the fact that they're basically saying this requires all of our active players. We're all going to get involved. We're all going to push our best. Um, Really kind of embodies that keep pounding uh, attitude that they bring up for the Panthers. Uh, It's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. I mean, let's face it. I, I always have a soft spot. I say this all the time. My kids call them the big meows. Uh, they've got Sir Purr out there, one of the best mascot names in the biz. So anytime we can get a little bit more love for the Panthers, they're turning it around. I'm impressed. Let's go ahead and switch up our tiers again. Let's go to the aspiring tier. Again, these are teams that are aspiring to greatness. Maybe they reach it occasionally, maybe they don't, but let's go ahead and jump right in. At number 16, slipping down the ranks a little bit is those are those Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the pressure is getting to a lot of new teams. We have at number 15, the New York Jets, number 14, the New York Giants, and then at number 13, the New England Patriots. At number 12, shooting up the rankings, it is the Detroit Lions. Uh, Number 11, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. And number 10, I don't know how this always happens. We keep having teams that like beat someone right behind them in the rankings. It's because we have a little bit of different people putting teams in where, but it just feels odd sometimes. So at number 10, we have the Miami Dolphins. And at number nine, we have the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are about to be in the playoff tier, potentially. That feels so awkward to me. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about 
those New England Patriots. Uh, so they've had a lot of games in primetime lately. Uh, they went back-to-back on Thursday night, both on Thanksgiving and then on the Amazon version. As, <clears throat> excuse me here, starting to sound like Derek. Uh, they, they had losses to the Vikings and then, of course, to the Buffalo Bills. Not great games. Not, definitely tough opponents, but not great games by them either. Um, they did bounce back on Monday night with a win again against the Kyberless Cardinals. Uh, we mentioned earlier he tore his ACL. It was on like the third play of the game. The Cardinals never had a chance. And uh, surprisingly, the Cardinals were up at the half with Colt McCoy doing his Colt McCoy thing. But that's never something that people envision as a long-term thing. So what's interesting, though, Patriots, if the playoffs were to start today, they get that beautiful seven seed. And they would be happy. You know, I've talked about it before, the seven seed. It's not my favorite seed. But uh, it does exist, and that team does get in the playoffs. So, Derek, for you, who on the field kind of needs to take their game to another level for this Patriots team? So that way they can, one, make sure that they do make the playoffs and potentially even cause some chaos in the postseason. Yeah, we've talked about uh, quarterbacks for most of these, and I'm going to just going to jump on that train once again. Mac Jones has to be the Mac Jones that we've seen in Alabama, and we saw uh, since he's come into the league, he's got to get on the same page with Matt Patricia or whomever is calling the offensive plays there. And, you know, so don't waste timeouts. Uh, make sure they're all on the same page. And I think he has to up his game just a little bit more, running that offense, getting the, the ball downfield when they need it. Because um, they're going to run the ball. They're going to be probably successful at that, I would think, um, with you know, because they just kind of do that. Um, and, and they win games sneakily sometimes. They don't blow anyone out, really. Um, but, you know, blowout being like, 21 or, or 28 points. You know, it's a lot of times their games are in that seven to 17 point range. Um, so I think Mac Jones, when you have a team on the ropes, you got to put your foot on the gas and just put them out, put them behind you. Uh, and so for me, that's Mac Jones. That's fair. I, I get where you're coming from. If you're going to try to solve a problem on this team, the problem has been the offense. It's not like it's the issues are coming from the other side of the ball. Um, but I'm going to say that if something's going to step up and it's going to actually get things done, it's going to be because of their defense. So I have a tough time because I go, really who I think has been the leaders there is Matt Judon and Josh Uche. Um, Judon, red sleeves and all. I love seeing him out there on the field. Makes an impact when you see him. 14 and a half sacks this year and 26 quarterback hits. Behind him at that outside linebacker spot is Uche, who has 10 sacks and 11 quarterback hits. They just have to keep getting after the quarterback. They've got some good players in their secondary. They, they're, you know, they've got experience at the linebacker positions. It's just a matter of, are they going to go out and make enough things happen? They need to force some fumbles, force some takeaways, knock the quarterback around, and get some wins as a team. This is classic Bill Belichick. 
we don't necessarily have stars on offense, especially after this past week. I would have really loved, and depending on their health, I would love to say Ramondre Stevenson. I'd love to say, you know, let's let Devontae Parker potentially rise up. But both of them got banged up in their win. And we just haven't had that much time since then. So I can't sit here and say, oh, this is what they're going to do. They'll just link, like run the ball with Ramondre. That's a beautiful plan. So I'm, I'm pivoting to the defense because I really think that if the Patriots are going to do it, it's going to be because they rise up on that side of the ball. Um, although Mac Jones getting like some sort of mystical like Christmas powers from Matt Patricia would probably also really help. Maybe he doesn't want any from Matt Patricia, but probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're playing the Raiders this week, right? So maybe he he like shakes the hand of Josh McDaniels and doesn't wash it again. He'll remember how to throw the football like he did last year. I don't. There there have to be something done on the offensive side of the ball at the end of this year. I know an offensive minded coach that's not going to have a job in a couple of weeks. Go hire um, Hackett because you don't have to worry about timeouts. You don't have to worry about anything else. Maybe he can call a play. I don't know. I mean, I, and that's part of why I phrased the question the way I did. If we talked about who needs to do better, the offensive play callers. Like, that's that's really where we're probably at. We've trashed them before the season We've trashed them during the season. And that's why I, I kind of had to be like, let's focus on on the field on this one because otherwise it's it's too easy. Um, let's go to the playoff tier, Derek. This is, of course, the creme de la creme. This is the best eight teams, in our opinion, in the NFL as of today. And at number eight, it is the Baltimore Ravens who have insert quarterback name here starting for them this week. At number seven, it is Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Probably a sadder plane ride home after their visit to Detroit this past week. At number six, uh, I hope that he is pretty healthy. It is uh, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. At number five, we called him out in the Heisman race earlier. We're talking about Joe Burrow. Regular Joe Burrow. No nicknames, no sass, just Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, at number four, it is uh, Jerick McKinnon and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that that pass was was crazy on Sunday, and I'm sorry, Derek, because that was uh. your team. It was beautiful, but it was probably beautifully horrendous to you uh, at that point. Uh, although, complete off-tangent note, uh, one of my best ball leagues, Marlon Mack, was my high scorer for the week. Well, so you, you can imagine that that team was trash. But uh, Marlon Mack getting the catch and stumble run to the end zone sure did help me out. Uh, back to the rankings. At number three, <laughs> we have Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. At number two, it is Dak Prescott and those Dallas Cowboys, and please uh, come to interview uh, their coaches for head coaching jobs soon, uh, especially if you're in Indianapolis. 
or somewhere or Carolina, somewhere that already has head coaching openings. Although I'd kind of like to see Carolina retain Wilkes. I don't know that I think that's really going to happen. Um, at number one, though, and reigning at number one for so many weeks in a row, it is Fly Eagles Fly, those Philadelphia Eagles with the MVP frontrunner, Jalen Hurts. So, Derek, I brought this up a little bit when we were pre-recording, but the Eagles, of course, lost their game to the Commanders five weeks ago. Just a game where they made too many mistakes. Um, and they still were close. Uh, if you think about it, the score, I think, was 32-21. But that's because of uh, lateralization that happened at the end of the game where the commanders got a defensive touchdown. But, you know, they've been holding on to the ball better. They've shored up their interior defensive line because they had gotten run against by the commanders and on the, by the Texans before that. Brought in Dominican Sue, taking care of that. And of course, Hertz is playing like a true MVP. Beautiful numbers from him this year. Uh, so they've bounced back, won four in a row. Some very different games in there, too. Close win over the Colts, high scoring game against the Packers, and then just, all right, now we're going to put our foot on the gas, smash the Titans, and another smash this past week on the road against the Giants. So, and they are, in my opinion, they're a clear number one team in the NFL. They could probably go out and lay an egg this week, and I'd still put them at number one in my power rankings. And they're the first team to clinch a playoff spot. Never hurts to be that. Uh, Derek, is there a team in the NFC that you think would really is their toughest matchup to get to the Super Bowl? Or do you think it's kind of a, as long as the Eagles take care of themselves, uh, they're going to be... Going to Glendale, uh, which, to be clear, is where uh, the Super Bowl is this year, in February. Yeah, so for for me, it is a race uh, between the Niners and the Eagles. Um, I think the Eagles are going to, to get to, to uh, the Super Bowl. I think they're going to put up a very good fight to whomever comes out of the AFC. Um, so I, I think that's... That's the most complete team, barring, you know, further injuries. And even at that, um, you know, there could be a fourth-string quarterback come out for San Francisco when, you know, it's Brett Favre Jr. or something like that. I don't I don't know. Just, like, he, they're always finding someone to run that offense. That defense is just killer, outstanding, doing a great job. Um, but the same thing is said for the Eagles. So I would love for that to be the NFC Championship game. Um, once again, I think the the Eagles edge out just about everybody. Um, I don't I don't trust the Cowboys. Um, I don't trust I mean the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> at all, or just about anybody else. So those are my two teams going into the into the playoffs. As I think those are the that's the NFC Championship game. So, uh, Derek, I'm going to let you know that the analytics like what you're thinking. So I was uh, reviewing this with our friends over at Football Outsiders. As far as uh, their percentages currently for a conference championship win, they have the Philadelphia Eagles at 52.1%. Yeah. And even a Super Bowl win, they have at 30.9% right now. They think the Eagles are definitely the favorite in both of those. 
right behind them in the NFC for conference win. San Francisco at 25.5%. And after that, you get down to Dallas at 14.4%. Minnesota has a 2.1%, it says. And it's interesting because they actually have Seattle right near there at 1.8%. And we don't even know if Seattle's going to make the playoffs at this rate. Um, I mean, they currently wouldn't be, and that's what makes that really funny to me. Um, they do have the Giants at 0.4% and the Washington Commanders at 1.3%. So they're definitely not trusting a lot in the NFC. If you're going with realistic people, it's Philly, San Fran, and Dallas. And I don't think that it is really great for Philly that they'd probably have to play these two teams back-to-back, but they also are going to get a bye, be able to heal up anyone. San Francisco just lost too many games too early. I think if they could somehow get that bye, San Francisco would love that. Uh, They've just been so banged up, kind of like you said. So many injuries, making... uh, I can't remember the noodle right now. Uh, Making... Something out of manure, Derek. What was the phrase? Manicotti uh, out of manure. Okay, thank you. So I still think at this point I would probably say the best thing the 49ers do defensively is get there with their pass rush. As long as the Eagles stay healthy on their offensive line, I'm just kind of going to presume that they are on the field in February in Glendale. It might be a bit bold. But I've been bold on the Eagles all year, baby. So I'm going to go ahead and keep riding it. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think they're going to go ahead and make the Super Bowl. I will stop there at this point just because I want to know who's coming from the other side. Uh, and that is a gigantic mess. There, so. There's a question mark there. There's a. It depends on the week on who I think the AFC champion is going to be. Very fair. Uh, Derek, uh, anything else that we want to talk about with the Eagles, or should we slide on over to the Brody bets today? I think we're ready for Brody bets. So um, if you guys have not listened to our podcast before, what we do is we take some games each and every week. We take the fan vote. We take our NFL teams. We used to take our college teams, but they're not playing anymore. And then we have a wild card each and every week. Now, we may call this the Brody Bets, but we at Brody Sports Talk do not actually bet on the games. One, we're an Oklahoma-based podcast, and we can't do that illegally. And two, we are so bad at it that our wives would be mad at us. We don't want to sleep on the couch, so all we do is uh, do some high fives and handshakes. A lot of times, Caleb gets a lot of high fives. Sometimes I come out ahead. Uh, this particular week, I'm going to... Uh, to come out ahead because I had an extra game. Uh, the Packers were on the the bye week last week, and so I had three games. Caleb had two, and I won two out of three on my side. Last week I had the 49ers at minus three and a half. The 49ers beat the Buccaneers by a bunch. Uh, the whole 28 points, so I won that one. I had the Chiefs-Broncos games because I am a Broncos fan. Um, I had the under 43 because the Broncos cannot score. And I didn't think that the Chiefs were going to be able to put up 42 points 
on that defense. Boy, was I wrong as the game went to 62 points. And then the wild card last week was the Eagles. My my wild card last week was the Eagles at the Giants. Uh, Eagles minus seven. Uh, the Eagles won by 26 points. So I won that one. Caleb, you want to go over your picks? Sure. Uh, we also, of course, we both pick the fan vote. So Derek had taken the 49ers minus three and a half. I liked that, but I decided to go with the over 37. And uh, that felt pretty good because uh, the 49ers did, of course, win 35 to seven. But that was 42 points. That got me the over. Uh Derek, you've got to be happy that we didn't talk about the 49ers more. I've made several pretty good jokes during the podcast today. And uh, some that felt pretty bad was when I had the Steelers minus two and a half against the Ravens. The Ravens upset the Steelers in Pittsburgh 16 to 14. Um, I would like to know, but when I'm making these predictions, if my starting quarterback is going to get concussed within the first few plays of the game, but that is unknowable. So, uh, granted, Tyler Huntley got hurt too. Anything could have happened, but clearly the Ravens were the better team this week and continue to be the more threatening team going forward. Uh, The first game that we want to talk about this week, let's go to our fan vote. We put out a good poll, lots of options. So many people were choosing. Uh, If this was true electoral fashion i probably should have run a runoff but uh, ain't nobody got time for that here on our twitter polls so you voted for the titans chargers matchup very interesting matchup between two seven and six teams the odds on that are chargers minus three at home with a over under of 47 derek what side of that are you wanting to take Okay, so we have the Titans that are not looking great right now. And uh, the Chargers, which, you know, they're in the West, but uh, in the AFC West with my Broncos. And so normally I don't don't like those guys. I like uh, the Chargers in this game. I like Air Bear and I like um, everyone. I like Brandon Staley. You know, go for on fourth down on your own one-yard line. I don't care. Uh, I have the Chargers minus three in this game. I'm going to go ahead and say win in SoFi, put up the points. I'm going to go ahead and take an over on the fan vote for back-to-back weeks. It's an intriguing one to me. I think that in general, you give me the 47 points. I think they're going to end up getting there. One thing the Chargers have notoriously been bad at for a long time is their rush defense. I think Derrick Henry is going to come in. He got held pretty down uh, last week and didn't really have a ton of opportunity against the Eagles. And he's going to feast. He's going to put up somewhere between 150 and 180 rushing yards. And they're just going to score. Herbert's going to have to be throwing the ball on the other side. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they're both healthy. Points are going to be scored. Points are going to be scored a lot in this game as I think it goes over 55, so over 47 feels good to me here. Uh, Derek, let's go to your team. Uh, You've got, of course, your Broncos this week. They're playing on Sunday. They're hosting the Cardinals, 
So no Kyler Murray. Uh, he's not expected to be back. He's out for the year. You'll be going up against the legend that is Colt McCoy. Uh, over under of 36 and a half, but you're a three-point favorite there in mile high. Uh, where are you going on this one? Okay, so I never want to wish ill on anybody, but I really want Justin Herbert to go down, like just a toe cramp or something like that, when the Arizona Cardinals and the L.A. Chargers uh were to play like I just I need those two teams to get together. They're starting quarterbacks not to uh, not to play, so that we have Chase Daniel and Colt McCoy, both Big Twelve quarterbacks. Well, back when Missouri was in the Big Twelve uh, for Chase Daniels, but also guys who have been around the league for far too long and made far too much money being backup quarterbacks. I know it it, it wouldn't be a great game per se, but I just want the battle of the backups who have been everywhere and anywhere um, just so, just so I can have it. Um, but for me in this, this particular game, the Broncos are a three point favorite with the Cardinals. Um, my hope is that the Broncos forget to score uh, again, forgot how, how to score last week because the chiefs uh, defense wasn't great. I, I don't, I don't even know what to talk about that game. Either way, I'm going under 37 in this game as uh, under 36 and a half. I'm sorry, uh, 36 and a half. Uh, I, I think this game gets to 12-9, and we walk out with a, uh, a smile on our face. Hey, 12-9. That sounds like some games that I've seen in Mile High this year. Um, so. Uh, talking about my team, they're going to be playing on Monday night. They're the last game of the week. The Packers had a bye. They're getting to rest a long time, but the Rams are also going getting to rest a long time. Going from Thursday night football to Monday night almost feels like we're losing advantage of having that true bye week against someone. Uh, they do have the Packers as minus seven against the Rams with an over-under of 39 and a half. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go big and bold. I think the Packers minus seven is a huge lock for me this week. The last time we saw Baker Mayfield in Lambeau in December, he threw about four picks on a beautiful Christmas day. Uh, he he started off too hot for him to not come crashing down a little bit. So I think we're going to see a little bit more mistakes. We're going to see a little bit more of that. Hey, we're learning the playbook and we don't have the Raiders defense. So we're not going to mess up that badly. And I think the minus seven, uh, while I would love a minus six and a half, minus seven will work for me. I'll take it. Uh, Derek, let's, let's feel wild. Let's go over, get your wild card out. Uh, I see that you wrote down uh, the game you wanted to talk about. There is Eagles minus nine at the Chicago bears in soldier field, uh, arguably the worst grass in the league, uh, over under a 48 and a half. Uh, which way are you landing on this one? I'm going to fly Eagles fly for the Eagles minus nine. Um, I don't like the points on either side because we could see Justin Fields, his real name, Justin Fields. Um, he could just do a whole bunch of, of, of stuff and they could, the Eagles could win 
by 14, but it's just a big game, or the defense shows up and the Eagles aren't worried about, you know, anything too much, and so they, they cruise to an easy win. Either way, I think the Eagles win by uh, greater than nine points. Just curious, who do you think uh, big play Slay should go try to shut down on that Bears offense? Um, I actually don't know. Uh, Equimania St. Brown. That's that's like an what option. They... Well, Chase Claypool's there. Probably Chase Claypool. Um, okay. I mean, I don't. I think I could probably cover most both of those guys same time. Like, I mean, Mooney's on IR, so it's definitely not Darnell Mooney. Um, I'm going to stick with an NFC North pick here, uh, team going on the road. It is the Lions at the Jets. You heard me talk up the Lions last week. You heard me talk down the Jets this week. That game is a pick em. I'm going to pick the Lions. Uh, I'm going to ignore the over-under of 44.5 because the Lions do give up some points, but I don't know that I trust the Jets' offense to do anything because – they are the Jets, and Mike White may not have a torso anymore. I'm not really sure after that last game. Oof. He took some brutal hits. Um, but you know me. I can get a little bit wacko for Flacco, but I am going to go ahead and uh, feel a little bit Jared Goffey and uh, take the Lions in this one. How many bad puns am I going to make in this episode? Man, I'm, I'm wondering. so ridiculous. Well, uh, Derek, any last thoughts before I go into any attempted closing spiel? No, I, uh, I appreciate everyone uh, listening to us and, uh, you know, reach out to us on the tweeters and uh, tell us where we're wrong prior to these games because, uh, you know, we're getting to the end of the season and uh, it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. I do want to thank you all once again for listening. It is awesome to be able to sit and record with my buddy, put out some solid NFL content. Tell us anything you liked. If you liked this, if you liked our Christmas draft, if you liked our Thanksgiving draft, if you want to know uh, what we're going to do in 2023, hit us up. Let us know some ideas you may have. I don't claim to be the curator of ideas. Uh, Derek does not have you know gatekeeping on that either. We're more than happy to hear what you as fans of the show want us to talk about. But I also know there's nothing wrong with playing back a little bit of the classics as well. But also, if you like us, subscribe, give us a five-star review, thumbs up, all that good stuff that you can do wherever you're listening on your podcast platform of choice. So on behalf of Derek, my fellow Brody, my name's Caleb. We are going to go ahead and sign off. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye, guys.